see definitely why it is that we don't see the results in the church that we should be seeing is because we don't pray. Chances are some people don't know how to pray. Some people don't know why they should pray. Some people would want to know it, but they're fearful of God. Like for some of you who went here this morning, we had a three-hour discussion from Sunday school on that lifted a lot of things off of this church, and God went even deeper into our hearts than he's ever went before. God is beginning to take his church and call his church to cleansing, and that's what he's looking at. Prayer, you've probably heard it all your life that we all should pray. The Bible says that we should always pray. Mm -hmm. But how many of you, when you pray, you pray stuff like, Lord, I need this. How many would say amen? Amen? amen. amen. So people can hear you online say amen. amen. How many, when you pray, you say, Lord, I need this? Lord, it'd be nice if I had this. Lord, give me this. Do you have a lot of times in your life your prayers that you ask the Lord for? Do you have them to show up in your life? Be, be honest. Do you? Yes or no? When you pray like that, do you have everyone that you ask for given you? Why? Say that again, Chris. He gives it to you when, when you can meet the, the requirements to get it, yes. He said, I'll supply your needs, not your wants. He did say that he would supply your needs, but he also said he'd give you the desire of your heart, yes. which means your heart, your, your want. <laughs> so you can get your want, wants and your desires and your needs. But there's something going on that is keeping us from getting results when we pray. And we miss it. We've been in church all of our life. Everybody with me real quick. Recite with me as we open up the Lord's Prayer. Say it with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are dead against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power, the glory, and the kingdom forever. Amen. Do you see me in there anywhere? Did you hear, Heavenly Father, give me? Heavenly Father, I need this. What do you hear? Us, us, us. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive others. Lead us, deliver us from evil, and lead us not into temptation. It's all us. We have become so individualistic that it has become infiltrated and filter into our prayer life and James says you pray amiss so we pray wrong that's why we don't get it to happen yeah. Lord 
Our church needs revival. How many pray about it? Well, my Lord, your church needs revival. That's the way it should be. And we want to kind of look at some things with this. We've been studying Elijah. And the one thing in Elijah's life that made him the most honored prophet next to Moses in the nation of Israel is that he was a praying man. He knew how to pray. The Bible said that he is a man that has the same type of passions that we had. But yet he prayed and he shut down the heavens for three and a half years. He had the same passions that we had, but yet he prayed and he raised a boy up from the dead. He felt the same pain, the same agony, the same depression, the same pressure that we had, and yet he prayed and God sent down fire from heaven. He felt like he wanted to die, but yet he prayed and the heavens was reopened. How many would agree that it's becoming that to seem like that the principal thought that seems to be predominant out in the world and in the culture today is that God is dead? Mm-hmm. Or at least the message is being pushed that God is somehow or another abdicated his throne and gave up his throne here on this earth and gave it away. But I want to tell you, God has always in bad times, in the darkest times of history, God has always sent a prophet into that particular time to turn that time around. And how many would agree what we need on the earth today is the movement of the Holy Ghost where prophets appear back again, true prophets with the word of God that knows how to pray that can move God's hand. Because of that, we have taken the time to look at Elijah and study some of his characteristics so that we can become the last day Elijah company that God wants us to be. So I want, before I read anything, I want you to hear what type of man Elijah was. Elijah was a fellow whose heart was filled with a burning zeal. For the glory of God. He hated it when the glory of God was dishonored. He couldn't stand it when people were taking glory for something that God should have got glory for. His heart burnt for that. And he couldn't bear the fact or even the thought that there were altars in his nation to a false god and people were worshiping a false god over and above the god that he knew to be the only true living god, Yahweh. He couldn't hardly bear that thought. He also had his heart turn over because the other prophets of God that were trying to stand up for God was ridiculed, run down, and even defeated and killed. Sadly today, when people are getting 
talked about, run down on, false pointed out on. It's like the joy, the church is joyous of the fact that somebody is losing their status in the church. He couldn't stand the fact that his nation was being defiled. How many of you are just thrilled that the United States of America has been defiled like it's been defiled in the last 20 years? I am literally appalled when I think about how Barack Obama had the Congress to redefine marriage and say that a man could marry a man, a woman could marry a woman, a woman could marry a turtle, a woman could marry a frog, a woman could marry whatever she wanted to marry, and we have to acknowledge that they're normal. Something wrong with that. His spirit was stirred up on the inside any time he saw Jehovah God dishonored and he got righteously angry about it. So it's perfectly fine for you to be righteously angry about the fact that the devil is defiling your children and he's defiling your politics. And not only that, you really ought to get upset when he starts defiling your church. He also hated the spirit of indifference. He hated the fact that people couldn't make up their mind. How many here today is just fed up with some of these Christians that just don't know if they can make up their mind or not? Oh, they can make up their mind that they can be on the job on Monday morning at 5 o'clock because they're going to get paid on Friday. But they can't make up their mind that they need to be in church so they can get the biggest paycheck of the whole week on Sunday morning at 10.30. Something don't sound right. And if you say anything about it, all people get upset about it. But it is the zeal of God in a person that tries to point out to you that's important. He hated the fact that people couldn't make up their mind and stick to what they have come to a decision about. How many so, in your whole life, you're just upset, you get kind of frustrated with people that today they want to do this, but tomorrow they want to do something else. I pick at Tina sometime because Tina second guesses herself a lot. She does a lot. Way better than she used to be. But she would make a decision and then beat herself over the head the whole time that decision that she put into play was being built or put together. And even after it was done, she said, well, I should have done this and I should have done that. The whole church is like that now. Nobody can seem to make up their mind and say, come hell or high water, this is my church, this is my husband, this is my wife, this is my nation. This is my house. This is my money under God. We can't seem to reach that conclusion. In the midst of all of that there, Elijah prayed that God would vindicate himself and to literally make known his mighty power. How many have been praying that God would come and fight the battle in the United States of America and that he would show and display how mighty a God he actually is? Well, then you have a little bit of the spirit of Elijah in you. And God wants to tap a hold of that and make your prayer life so powerful that hell won't even know what to do with you. Amen. Amen. 
But the biggest thing that Elijah wanted, he was hard. He told people how it was. He was crabbed. He could have hurt a whole lot of people's feelings. But the end result and the end goal and everything he tried to do is he wanted to see people's hearts turn back to God. That's what an Elijah spirit is. Regardless of what's going on, what that person that is operating in it is trying to do is get the hearts of the people to turn back to God. And that person must be a person that has a powerful prayer life. Amen. So here in 1 Kings chapter 18, you can turn it if you want to. It may not read it. I don't know. But Israel now is beholding the man that three and a half years earlier stood before the king and shut up the heavens. Also, they are looking at the man that prayed and a dead body come out of the grave. They're looking at a man that is going to pray in the future and unlock heaven and it's going to rain on the earth. They're also looking at a man that walked so close to God in his zeal that God said, you're not going to die. I'm going to rapture you up out of this earth and then I'm going to send you back in the end days to preach your gospel. Write this in your message, in your notes. Elijah was God's servant. Servant. His entire will, everything about him, was surrendered to God. He surrendered his whole life to God. His whole life's purpose was to see God's glory. Just like we've been studying this morning, to see Jesus. Elijah was consumed with seeing the glory of God remanifest and reappear. He was consumed with seeing God. In his prayer in that chapter, when he finished up praying, he said, God, let it be known that I am your servant. Don't let it be known that I'm great. Don't let it be known that I got a power. Don't let it be known that I'm anointed, that I'm gifted, that I'm talented, that I'm going to have the abilities to do all this. Let that be secondary. Show these people that I'm your servant. Everybody say servant. servant. What's a servant? How many agree with that? That a servant is an obedient person under a master. Okay. That's part of it. We'll get into that a little bit deeper. How many of you know exactly why our prayers seem to be unavailing? The Bible says, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effectual, fervent, burning prayer. The prayer that is prayed effectively in a passion of a man in right standing with God avails much. If that's the case, why is it that our prayers are not availing? Somebody give me an idea. We have already talked about some of it, but why is it that our prayers are not getting answered? Because we aren't being servants. We're not being servants. What else? 
Huh? We waver. we waver. We don't have faith. What else? I lack faith in God and faith in ourselves. What else? Put self and work first. Huh? Put self and work first. Put self and work first. Unbelief. Unbelief. What's Chris? Because people expect to have things answered right away, and Lord, I'm going to give it to you as fast as you want. You need to see and his foreseeing time. Okay. Some people have been taught that. That's true. What else? Somebody give me another reason why your prayer is not availing. Because we don't believe it. Huh? Because we don't believe it. You're still on faith. What else? Our prayers don't line up with God's word. Your prayers don't line up with God's word. What else? Personal holiness. Huh? Personal holiness. Personal holiness. The last two is exactly what God wanted me to talk about tonight. The first thing that causes us to have our prayers unavailable and evade, is they fail to meet the requirements of an accepted prayer to God. That entails faith and all this stuff, scriptural prayer, all of that. The second one is, is we're not living holy enough to where our supplications that we ask God to do for us, he does it for us. Grace <laughs> is an attribute of God. It the Bible says, yes, yeah, a gift, but it's more than a gift. It's an attribute of God. It is God's decision. This is how I'm going to treat man. And he pours that grace out on you in the idea to where he's going to give you anything you want, anything you need, as quickly as you need it, if you'll just meet certain conditions. So yeah, Chris, it is true that sometimes God is not going to give you exactly what you want exactly like this, but there's a reason why he don't give it to you right then. And it's not on his end. It is possible to live a life with the Lord that when you pray, the minute you release it out of your mouth, it shows up. How many would agree with that? If we don't agree with that, we need to shut the shop tonight and go home. Because if we don't believe that, there's no need to be talking to you about prayer. How many of you believe you can open your mouth and immediately have it manifest for you? Okay. Prayer, as Betty said, is the one outstanding privilege that a Christian has. It is the best right and the greatest right that you have here on this earth is prayer. It is the most important thing that you have here on this earth next to the blood of Jesus Christ. Prayer. Everybody say prayer. Prayer. prayer is an appointed time for you to have experimental access to the God that created you. Where you can walk into his bedroom, you can sit down with him per se, and you can have a conversation with him with you sitting on the bed and him laying there listening to you. Prayer gives you the access to the creator that created this whole world and this whole universe and every other universe. Prayer is the avenue and the privilege that you have to talk to the richest man alive, to the most powerful man alive, 
to the most wise man alive, to the man that knows you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet and knows everybody you'll ever come in contact with with the top of your feet. He is the man that has everything you will ever want and everything you ever need. And you have access to him. And if you don't utilize that avenue to go and talk to him, then you ain't going to get it. Trevor's my son, Alyssa's my daughter. At my house, everything in the cabinet is theirs. If they walked in, they ain't got to ask me for it. All they got to do is go get it out of the cabinet. But they got to do what? Come to the house and open the cabinet to get it. I am not going to sit there and slingshot it to them 150 miles away. So prayer is the greatest opportunity that you ever have. It is the avenue that God has given to you for your soul, soul to draw nearer and close to the one that created you. It is the spiritual communication to a high redeemer. It is your communication system with heaven and earth. Prayer will do more for you than any service that you'll ever do in the church. Prayer will do more for you than studying your Bible. Prayer will do more for you than hearing the best preacher in the world preach. Because you are going to God himself face to face. And you are talking to a God that has determined that he made you for his delight and that he is willing to bless you and give you everything you want, everything you need immediately. Amen. As long as you will meet certain conditions. So God has took prayer and ordained it to be the channel for you to seek out and attain all your needed supplies, all your wanted supplies of spiritual grace and spiritual mercy. It is the channel between you and heaven. It's the avenue that you go before the Lord and make known your need and your desire to the Most High God Himself and you look to Him that He is going to minister to you when you let Him know what you want. It is that channel that your faith ascends from earth to heaven and a miracle comes down from heaven to earth. But what happens when that channel is blocked up? If the channel is blocked up between you and God, what happens? Your faith don't make it to heaven, and the miracle don't make it down to you. The words you pray in prayer never reaches God's ears. I'm going to prove that to you tonight. Something is blocking that channel, keeping God from hearing you. Something is blocking that channel that's keeping you from seeing him. Something is blocking that channel, keeping you from hearing God. And if there's something in that, it's going, in that channel, it's going to choke the supplies that God tries to send to you. And on top of that, if God already knows there's a blockage in the channel, 
He don't send the spiritual supplies. He withholds them. That's why we have been taught, well, God don't give it to you right when you ask for it. If you're living right and, and doing what God wants you to do and the channel's open, you're going to get it. But if you don't, and there's a blockage in your channel, God does not release it because God does not throw his pearl before the swine. He don't waste nothing. God's not a wasteful God. Y'all getting my point tonight? So, the reason why your prayers ain't answered is the channel's blocked up. What happens when you dam up a river? It ain't going to flow on one end. What happens on the other end? It winds up flooding this end and dries up this end. <laughs> so when there's a dam in your cycle, tonight what I'm, I want you to put you in just mind. I want to go where this dam is in your channel and blow it up with the dynamite of the Holy Ghost. Because there's all kinds of prayers and supplications and requests and needs and wants that you've been praying for and it's been stopping at that dam and you're flooding out and drowning under your old prayers and God ain't even heard them yet. But I want to get that channel broken loose so all your prayers can make it to heaven so God can get back into the, your prayer answering business and release it down your channel and all the prayers you've ever prayed will be answered. How many would love to have that happen in your life? Amen. Because see, if faith basically is dormant in heaven, miracles don't take place. And our problem is, is although we have faith in God, our faith never makes it to heaven. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Everybody here tonight believes in the Lord. Amen? Amen. We believe He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's everywhere. But yet, we don't experience that in our life. And the reason why we don't experience that in our life is although we believe in Him, it never makes it to His ears. And tonight, I'm going to tell you why it never makes it to His ears. And I'm going to tell you how to get that damn busted up. How many is ready to release that? Amen. This morning, I grabbed this book and I opened it up and I was giving you my little illustration. And when I opened it up, I opened it right up to the very scripture that God had told me to bring to y'all today, this morning. So God told me that that was his confirmation that we needed to do this again in the same style that we've done this morning. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 59. <laughs> now I'm going to wait for you to see this in black and white because it's very important. Isaiah 59. I'm going to read the first three verses. If you got that, say amen. amen. Verse number one says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities 
have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. God's hand is not short. God has not been amputated with his limbs. God has not lost strength from where he was when he spoke the earth into existence. Amen? God does not have hearing loss, and he ain't deaf. He can still hear. Amen? His ears are not weighted down and dulled, and he ain't asleep on you. He's wide awake. Amen? And he still has power to save not only you, but everybody on this earth and the whole earth. I mean, would say amen. So if we agree with all that, why ain't that happening? The word save there is the Hebrew word yasar. It literally means to be delivered. God is still able to deliver you. Let somebody say amen. amen. It also means that he is still able to save you from all your moral troubles. God can straighten your moral life out right now, this minute. It don't take no longer. You ain't got to try to quit that stuff. God can do it and do it right now. It also means that he will open wide and close up gates. So God is able right now, this minute, to open that channel that's been blocked up and release his miracles still again. Is the church with me tonight? Say amen. amen. That word saved means he is still able to defend you and to preserve you. He's still able to come in and rescue you out of the stuff that you find yourself in. Amen. He's also able to be opulent. A lot of people don't even know what that word is. Opulent. He, that means he is ostentatious, ostentatiously rich and luxurious and he is lavish. God is able to fill your bank account up still today. Amen. Amen. He is able to give you more money than you've ever had. He's able to give you more money than you can spend. He's able to give you more money than you can give away. He's able to give you everything. He is able to spoil you like a rich man would his wife. He's able to do all that. But he's not doing it. Why? The problem, like I said before, is on our end. Look at that verse. Look at it. It says in verse number 2, your iniquities has separated you and God, and your sins has hid God's face from you that he will not hear you. What's the difference between an iniquity and a sin? Some of us have been in church 75 years, and we don't know the difference between an iniquity and a sin. Anybody want to take a shot at it? What's a sin? Huh? Let's not go too far, because that's wrong. 
You see, we've not been taught in our Christian walk what is an iniquity and what is a sin. Both of them just as bad. They can do the same thing. But we need to be able to determine what's a sin and what is an iniquity. Now, now, now we're going to look at, the, there are several different words that are used in the Bible to uh, translate sin. We're going to look at that tonight. The word iniquity in this verse is a word that means what Aunt Janice started saying, a deliberate desire to behave in an unreasonable and an unacceptable way. It's when you have made up your mind that you want to be who you are regardless of what anybody says to you, darling. That you're going to have your attitude the way you got your attitude and you are made up your mind, this is who I am, you're going to like me or you ain't going to like me. Mm. It means perversity. It means to be contrary and not be just to anybody. Iniquity is when you deliberately desire that you are not going to be reasonable. That's what an iniquity is. The Bible says that that attitude where you have made up your mind and made that decision separates you between you and God. When you determine deliberately that you are not going to be accepted, you're going to always be on the contrary. How many of you got people in your family you can sit down around the table with and nine of them will agree and there's going to be one that's always in the contrary? That's iniquity. They've made up their mind. I'll tell you what, the, 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 the conversation can change from Monday to Tuesday. You could go in there with ten people, that one, nine of them would jump on this side on Monday, and that one would be contrary to what you're saying on Monday. You could go in there on Tuesday and flip it completely around and take what he said on Monday was the truth, and all nine of you take what he said on Monday, and he would sit there on Tuesday and say, no, that's contrary. How many got family members like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's an iniquity. It's when you have your mindset made up that you're not going to be normal. You're not going to be accepted. You're going to always be one that stirs the pot. My grandma and aunt said the more you stir this, the more it stinks. <laughs> I went to show a house the other day in front of the livestock market in southeastern out there on south of of Chabron, and they were out there spreading manure. Boy, that sure didn't smell good. <laughs> and they didn't buy the house, did they? Nope. And an iniquity <laughs> is when you have determined deliberately that you're going to do what's unacceptable. But a sin, now, now let me stop for the iniquity, the Bible says, separates you between you and God. Separates you. It becomes your separation agreement between you and God. That word separate means you're disjointed. You're shut out from them. You're, you're literally took out and you're secluded from them. And you don't see him and you're not visited by him. And on top of that, you leave a place to where you used to be. So it is our attitude... And our decision deliberately to file a separation agreement with the Lord. And it all comes down that we're going to be contrary. 
that we're not going to accept what the truth is. I want to share something with you. Everybody look at me. You don't know the truth. In fact, you can't handle the truth. Just like I can. What you know is an element of the truth. You don't know the full truth. So you need to get your mind opened up that somebody can teach you a little bit more truth. Just because you see it that way does not mean that's the absolute truth. Amen. Amen. And just because I see it this way don't mean that Kip's got 100% of the absolute truth. So if we can accept that right now, we get rid of all that iniquity. Is that helpful? And when we accept that, we take the separation agreement that we have between us and God and we annul that thing. And now we got God coming around and he's appearing before us. We're getting to see him and he's visiting us now and we're able to go back to the place that we used to be. And then he went on and he said, but it is your sins that causes his face to be hid from you and causes him not to hear you when you talk. How many has prayed right recently and you felt like God did not hear what you said? Be honest. Yes, yes. So an iniquity is the idea, the mad attitude, and your deliberate decision. But a sin, in this verse, it's a different word than what we get in a lot of places. It is the word hatatat. It's where we get the word habit from. A sin that he's talking about here is a habitual sin against men and against God and the calamity and all the penalty that it brings into your life is habitually doing the things that you have made up your mind that you're going to do regardless how many times Thelma tells you you're wrong. Just smile at that and right beside and say, hey, hardhead. <laughs> So this is, what's, this is what is blocking up the channel and keeping God's miracles from coming down to us. It's blocking up the channel, keeping our faith to reach to Him. It's blocking up the channel, keeping our words to where God don't even hear us pray. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to serve a God that, I, that don't hear me pray. The Muslims do it five times a day to a God that don't exist, that don't hear them pray. And they do it constantly, and they're some of the most miserable people in the world. I don't want to pray to a God that don't hear me when I pray. God said, I deliberately make up my mind that if you got this wrong with you, I ain't going to listen to your prayer. How many even knew that that happens with God? Were you finding that out today in Scripture? He said, it is your habitual sin that causes him to hide his face and shut his ears up to you. That word, hide his face, means he orders an order to keep you from seeing him. He keeps you to the point to where he is concealed and hidden in your life and he's covered up in your life like a curtain and he is kept secret to you and his presence, you don't even see it when he shows up and he prevents you from being known to him and him known to you. It even prevents you from even noticing when God is in your life. 
because of your habitual sin and your iniquity. How many of you want to be able to see God? Amen. Amen. How many want to know when God's presence is in your life? Amen. Amen. Then we got to get rid of these iniquities and we got to get rid of these sins. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 24 through 25 says this, Neither say they in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter rain in his season. He reserves unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withdrawn good things from you. The latter rain and the former rain was the blessing from the Lord that came down that produced the harvest. The latter rain and the, uh, the, the former rain is symbolic of the Holy Ghost that comes down and rains on your life and brings you a harvest. And God is saying, your iniquities has turned those blessings away from you and your sins caused God to withdraw all these good things from you. The latter rain and the former rain is simple, simply revival. It's when God revives a land that's dead. And when God revives a field that has been uh, plowed up and the ground in its heart. And he sends the rain down on a seed that has been sown so that it would germinate and it would produce a harvest. And God said because of sin and because of iniquity, then all of these blessings are withheld from you. How many need a blessing of the Lord? Amen. Then we got to get rid of these Let's look at another. Turn over to Lamentations chapter number 3. I don't know how far I'll get tonight, but we'll get there if we can. Lamentation chapter number 3. That's right after Jeremiah in the book, by the way. Go to verse 40. We're right back to where we were this morning. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let's everybody read that out together. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let's read it again. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Verse 41 says, Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. Thou hast covered with anger and persecuted us. Thou hast slain. Thou hast not pitied. Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud that our prayer should not pass through. Thou hast made us offscurring and a refuge in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouth against us. Fear and snare has come upon us, desolation and destruction. Do you see there where it said that God will put a cloud in front of him and your prayer will not make it to him? Do you see that? Amen. What did he say to start with? Let us search our uh, and try our ways. Let us turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands unto God up in the heavens. Look at verse 40. That word search there is a cohortative command. Cohortative means me and everybody around me. 
And it is a command that Jeremiah, in his heart's felt desire, was to say, my heart's desire is that me, my family, and my whole companion will stop disguising ourselves like we're righteous when we're not. We have not went before the Lord and said, hey, we got a problem. We have not went before the Lord and said, we've transgressed. We ain't went to before the Lord and said, we got iniquity. We ain't went before him and said, Lord, we got some habitual sins. Anytime a sin becomes habitual, a spirit's behind it. Complaints. A constant complainer. That's a spirit. And we don't want to acknowledge that. Any time that we constantly have a habitual sin in our life, God says, I shut up my ears. I put a cloud in front of you. I don't even hear you when you pray. Everything you do is a form and a fashion. Now, that don't mean your prayers won't make it to heaven. It'll eventually make it to heaven because somebody will love you enough to say, hey, you got a blockage in your channel and we're going to get rid of it. And I'm telling you tonight, God is wanting to get rid of this blockage in our channel and Living Water Worship Center flood the heavenly throne room of God with all the prayers we've been praying. If your blockage has been there for 60 years, get ready. God is about to send 60 years of prayer up into heaven and he's going to start sending some miracles down to you. Amen. He said, search and try our ways. That word try is another quotative command. Let all of us come together and start trying it. That word goes right back to like we were at this morning. It means to dig and dig so deep that it's necessary so you can examine my moral character. I talked to you this morning and I began to share with you if I brought Tim up here and I put him at the altar and gave every one of you a knife and come up here and said cut him apart, Tim wouldn't sit there and say okay cut me apart. But God is saying, let us search ourselves, let us try our own ways, let us dig so deep on the inside of us that we find the problem no matter how much you think it's going to hurt you because God himself has already took your pain through Jesus and he will protect you from the pain. He is the only one that can dig that deep in you and not repeat it to everybody. He's the only one that will keep it close to you. Amen? Now, if you believe that all you got to do is plead the name of Jesus, that's where I have a problem with this name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, crowd. I'm going to head that BMW in the name of Jesus. I have a problem with that because they believe that all you got to do is plead the name of Jesus and the request that you send up is going to be assured to be met regardless of your character and, and all of that stuff, regardless of your walk with the Lord. And I want to tell you, if you believe that and you feel pray for that stuff, you are sadly deluded. Amen. That ain't the way it is. Because the psalmist even said in 66, 18, he said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. How many are finding out tonight? Well, there's times in my life I prayed to the Lord. And now I found out God didn't hear me when I prayed. Amen. That word iniquity is a different word from the first word iniquity we looked at. It is the word even. 
And it literally means to pant after an idolatrous thing in vanity of life, to be stubborn with your wicked imagination. Some people in life gets wrapped up in fervor in building a business. And come hell or high water, they're going to build that business. To the expense of their family, to the expense of all their friends, to the expense of their life, to the expense of their health. They're going to build that. And they burn after that thing and they pant after it. They get up every day and they run just as hard as they can to build that business. And sadly, it's an iniquity. And being that it's iniquity, it causes God to shut up his ears to him or her, and he will not answer their prayer. They don't even, he don't even hear their prayer. So what this Bible's teaching us is that you have got to have practical subjection to God. And you got to have a daily fellowship with him. Give us this day our yearly bread. Is that what it said? There's some people think, I come to the church on Easter and Mother's Day and I get everything I need. Give me what I need today on Mother's Day or on Christmas and I'll have everything I need for the world for the rest of the year. Uh -uh. It's saying, give me a daily fellowship and a walk with you. So, so, so we got to hear this now. We want God to bless everybody. We want everybody to have what desire that they have. But we've got to keep those desires in proportion. When we allow that thing to burn inside of us to the point to where church ain't important anymore. When the job on Sunday is more important than coming to the house of God, it becomes an iniquity where you have made up your mind that God ain't important anymore. And when God gets to that point, He says, I don't hear you no more. Are you saved? Yeah, you're saved. But you have taken that their whole life on your own, and boy, you got a mess. Amen. Mm -hmm. So you got to have a daily walk and a daily subjection to the Lord. You got to subject yourself to the Lord every day. Every day. You got to have a daily fellowship with God. Secondly, you have got to order your life according to the divine will of God. You can't be doing what you want to do, when you want to do it, how you want to do it, to whoever they want to do it. you got to order your life under the divine will of God. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Chris, listen to what he said. You will ask what you will. Ned, you will ask what you want. And it shall be done to you. So yes, let's throw this thinking, thinking out of our mind that God ain't going to give us what we want. He's going to give you exactly what you want. If you are abiding in Jesus Christ and His words abide in you. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, we ain't got happy yet. <laughs> if you are abiding in Jesus Christ and his words is abiding in you, you can ask for a billion dollars, and it shall be given unto you. Amen. 
If you are abiding in Jesus and Jesus' word is abiding in you, you can ask for a million souls and it will be given unto you. The if, Janice, is the biggest word in the English vocabulary. If. In 1 John 3.22, John said it like this. Whatsoever you ask, we receive of him. Everybody say that with me. Whatever I ask, I get it from God. Then he goes on and he says, here's why. Because you keep his commandments and you do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You get what you want because you keep the commandments of God. Say it again. You get what you want because you keep the commandments of God and you do what he wants you to do. You get what you need and what you want as you keep the commandments of God and you do what he wants you to do. Amen. Amen. If you ain't getting what you need because there's something blocking the channel. Brethren, when you see the time coming, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. Pray always. Pray in the Spirit. Come out from among the world. You see, when we reach this level that we're going to do what we want to do regardless, that's when we have an iniquity in our life. Amen. That's what happened to the devil. The devil made up his mind. I'm going to go, and I'm going to ascend up to heaven. I'm going to throw God out of the throne. The iniquity separated him between God and the sin that he had in his life closed up God's ears to him. Hebrews chapter 10 says it like this. We must draw near with a true heart. Everybody say a true heart. heart. Say it again. Boy, the Lord's all over our heart today, ain't he? He said, you got to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Say that with me. In full assurance of faith. Mm. Full assurance. Full assurance. Full assurance. Full assurance. Full assurance. Nothing doubting. God, I know you can heal. That's doubting. By his stripes, you have already been healed. Lord, I know you can rain down $100 bills. No, Lord, I already know you did. Are y'all getting my point? He said, come with a full heart and a, a true heart and a sure, full assurance of place and have your hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, which is that iniquity where you've made up your mind that you're going to do what you want to do and your body washed with pure water. Notice what I said there in Isaiah chapter 59. It said that once you had that iniquity and you had sins in your life, your fingers began to be defiled with blood and your body, what does it say about your body? We'll flip over there real quick and I'll read it. It says that your your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers literally has iniquity on them and your lips start talking, speaking lies. And everything that we're in that point, all because of iniquity and sin, it blocks up the channel where the miracles from God comes and our faith ascends to God. Anybody getting any help tonight? Amen. Amen. So when you apply these things, these prayer principles to the life of Elijah, you begin to see now why it is that when Elijah said, okay, Lord, stop that rain, the heavens shut up. 
When you apply them, you see when he went in there in that room and he shut the door and he prayed for that child three times while that child's power came back into his body and he got up. You see why it is when he prayed and said, Lord, now open up the heavens. Heavens was opened up immediately. Why? Because he had walked in a strict separation from the evil that was abiding in his culture. He was not going to be associated with this evil stuff that's out there in the world. He come out from among them. He went over the cherith and he went over the Zarephath. He was living in it, but he was not a part of it. Does that make sense? And he refused to compromise. He refused to compromise and have fellowship with any fruit of darkness. He said, I ain't going to bow my knee down to Baal. I can sit right here up under the Satan's throne room over here in Zarephath. I can be absolutely next door right here and not compromise. In a time of apostasy, in a time of spiritual degeneracy, he maintained a personal communion with God. Can we say that? Gets rough on us. And we get mad with God. We won't talk to Him for a while. Anybody ever got mad with God and didn't talk to Him for a while? Be honest. Lord, Lord, why in the world are you blessing Tim over there? I've gave more to you than Tim's ever gave. Why in the world ain't you giving it unto me? And he walked practically on a daily basis. He practiced subjecting himself to God. He wouldn't move out of the will of God. He would wait for the word of God to come to him. He would not move. His life was ordered by the revelation that God gave him and by nothing else. He was willing to obey the most unpleasant thing that God wanted him to do. I was watching on YouTube going through doing something and they had this little short video down at the bottom. And it was spotlighting people that were sewer divers. Where they put on these suits, Linda, and they went into the city sewers and they swam down through the sewer of the city and they unlocked all the boys out there tough. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, I don't think I could ever do that there. And the Holy Ghost spoke and said, if I told you to do it, you would. I said, Lord, please don't ever tell me to do that. <laughs> so he subjected himself to obey those things. And because he did that, he subjected himself to God on a daily basis. He waited on the Lord. He waited on the word of God to come. He wouldn't move without the will of God. He walked in that separation. When he spoke, God heard him. And when he prayed, God answered him. How many would agree with me? If it took Elijah all of this to have success in his prayer life, don't you think we got to do the same thing? James 5 and 16 says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. A prayer prayed right by a right man that's got some passion behind it will change your world. 
a prayer by a man that knows how to get his faith up the channel to get it up to the throne room of God a prayer prayed in passion believing totally 100% with an assured heart that God is still the same God that he was 2,000 years ago 4,000 years ago when he raised up that widow child in Zarephath and he brought him back to life he's the same one today when a man can pray like that it will change your whole life and you ain't got to hunt for the man you can be the man punch that beside and say you are the man so this signifies that something more than having the righteousness of Christ imputed to you is necessary to move the throne of God you can be saved and still go to heaven but if you want to move the hand of God you better have some of these attributes in your life. It's going to take more than just having the right standing of Jesus imputed to your life. Amen. I wish I could preach tonight. I hope you're getting some help. A righteous man is a man or a woman that practically every day is right with God. Right where God wants you to be. Think about that a minute. I'll, I'll try to hurry on. Now, if we refuse to separate ourselves from the world, if we refuse to deny ourselves, if we refuse to strive against sin, if we refuse to mortify our own lust, if we go out there and we want to gratify our carnal nature, God is not going to answer or even hear our prayer. Is there any wonder as we look at the world and the church today and we look at our prayer life that's so cold and so informal that our petitions to God are going unanswered? They're not being answered because we have an iniquity and a sin in the channel and it's blocking it up. And I want you to notice Elijah. When Elijah went to pray, he went near to the altar. And when he went near to the altar, he had the confidence in the God that he was praying to. And he knew that God could do and was going to do what he prayed for him to do. Amen. And when he began to pray, I want you to look at that in 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm not going to read it. But when he began to pray, he began to plead the covenant that God had between Israel and him. And as he pled that covenant, he addressed God by that covenant and he wanted God's honor and his glory vindicated because of that covenant. And he was 100% submitted to God's will at that hour and he basically said to God, God, prove to these people and to Israel that I am under your covenant and this nation is still under your covenant and display your power and let them know we're still yours. And that's what God is wanting to do in the United States of America right now. Amen. Amen. So, you got to start drawing near to God. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord. I'm here to tell you tonight, we need to draw near to the Lord. Amen. And we got to start putting away and forsaking all yeah. that is offensive to God. Because when God is offended, Ben, 
He shuts his eyes to you. He closes up his ears to you. He does not hear you. He will not intervene into his life, as in your life, as long as he is offended. Today you need to be searching and trying your heart and your ways and see if you personally have offended God. If so, you need to go before the Lord for your own benefit and say, Lord, I'm sorry for offending you. If you'll give me the strength and the power, I won't do it anymore and unlock this channel that has been holding all your answers back in your life. Amen. Why? Because sin alienates your heart from him and his heart from you. Sin in your life keeps you at a distance from him, hidden like we talked this morning. That sin in your life, that habitual thing that you're doing, that sin in your life has got to be repented of and not only confessed to him, but confessed to somebody else. And when we do that, God will start to clear up the channel. Are y'all still with me tonight? Amen. Amen. Oh, Kip, that's legalistic. No, it ain't. That ain't legalistic. That is insisting on what God's glory demands. It is consistent on divine holiness. Yes, praise God. That's what uh, Betty talked about, what Sister Thelma talked about. We don't live holy anymore. And it is insisting on uh, God's divine holiness. Why? Because, Tim, Jesus didn't die so you could keep going out there and indulging in your iniquity and in your sin. He died so you could be set free from that. Amen? That's why it's so important for us to understand grace and understand it 100%. If we understand grace, we can always be able to plead the covenant. Tell your neighbor right beside you, say, learn to plead the covenant. God will answer that covenant when he won't answer nothing else. When he pleads that, when you plead that covenant to him and you got the grace to do it and the confidence to do it, it will make a world of difference when you began to plead that covenant because that covenant gives God a reason not to say no. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 32. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Verse 40 through 41. God talking said, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And I'm going to read it the way I want to read it. I'm going to make an everlasting covenant with you that will make me never turn away from you. I will make an everlasting eternal covenant with you that will make me never turn away from you and never do anything bad to you. Somebody in this house ought to be happy. And I will put my fear in your heart that you will not depart from me ever. And I will rejoice over you to do good to you. In other words, when I do good to you and you get happy, I'll have me a party. I'm going to put an everlasting covenant in place with you where you never have to worry again that God's going to leave me. That you ever have to worry again that every good gift that comes from heaven above can be mine. Yes, amen. I'm going to put a covenant between you and me that everything that's in that covenant I'm going to get. Amen. So when you p- f- fulfill the fulfillment of the covenant and the promises, you present God a reason why he cannot reject it. He cannot deny what you're asking for. Yes, amen. 
In Hebrews chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews, verse number 16 through 17, said it like this. He said, This is the covenant that I will make with them after these days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws in their heart and in their minds, and I will write them, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Let the church say amen. amen. I just shared with you in the opening up the reason why the channel is blocked is we got some sins and iniquity that we got to deal with. And it is keeping God from hearing us. It is keeping our eyes from seeing Him. He is concealing His presence, His Holy Ghost power, His revival, His healings, His ministry, and His deliverance from us. But God said, there's a covenant that I put on the inside of you, and that covenant is, re- is sitting there as proof positive that when I look at you, I'll never see your iniquities or your sins again. In other words, look at that person right beside him and say, because of this covenant, I am holy. You see, the devil wants you to believe that you can't be holy. And you can in your own power. But it is that covenant that God writes on the inside of you. And when he says that, I love what he said. I'm going to put my law in your heart and in your mind. I'm going to write them and your sins and your impurities. I won't remember them anymore. Mm, I'm about ready to shout right there. The covenant causes God to forget all of your sins and all your iniquities, all of your bad attitudes. God don't even recognize them anymore. Amen. <laughs> Every habitual problem that you've done in your life, that habit you've got right now, it's under grace. And God don't even see it anymore. As long as you can get rid of the attitude, eventually God will deliver you from that too as well. Amen. How many give some help on your prayer life tonight? Another thing that's essential in your prayer life is why you're praying to begin with. What is the motive behind what you're praying for? Your petition has got to be the right petition. I already broke down until you starting out tonight. Everybody been praying wrong. We've been praying, My Father, which art in heaven, how to be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in me as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my debts as I forgive those that, for, uh, that are debted to me. Deliver me from evil. Lead me not into temptation. We ain't praying about nobody else. Our Father, which art in heaven. Our Father. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. Not as I forgive others, as we forgive others. Do you realize that you can mess up my blessing? Yes. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. Because of your iniquity and your sin and your mindset? Blessing God. Do you realize that? That's why it's important to know who you're going to church with. Who you talking to? Yes. I need some people that wants to pray for everybody. Yes. That wants everybody to be blessed. Yes. James chapter 4 verse 3 says this. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss. And the reason why you're asking for it to start with is so you can sum it up in your lust. I'm about done. 
It is only when you ask for what promotes God's glory that we ask right. You can ask for a BMW if God's going to get the glory out of it. But if you're going to ask for that BMW so you can go around and style and profile and get all the women you want to get, God ain't going to give you that BMW. You can ask for a million dollars if God's going to get the glory out of it, and he'll give it to you. But if you're going to ask him for that million dollars so you can go to the beach this weekend and you can go to the mountains this weekend and throw church out, God ain't going to give it to you because his glory ain't going to be there. Anybody with me tonight? Amen. I love what John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. He said, this is the confidence that we have in him. Look at your neighbor and say, how much confidence you got in God? Are you really confident that God will do what he said he's done? Are you still 100% confident that God healed you 2,000 years ago on the stripes of Jesus' back? This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask Him anything, listen to me, Ned, if we ask of Him anything, not if we ask of Him what we need today, not if we ask of Him, Lord, don't just let me get wrinkled up over here, but if we ask Him anything, Anything according to His will, His will, He hears us. And if He hears us, we have what we ask for. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask Him anything according to His will, He hears me. And if He hears me, I have what He asked for. But it goes back to where we started and said, there's problems in your life because God does not hear your prayer. It's because there's iniquity and sins in your life. So for our prayers to be acceptable to God, They've got the issue from those that can say, God, I'm your servant. Look at your neighbor here tonight and say, are you God's servant? Jesus, in Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 7. The Bible said, Jesus rose up off his throne, took off his royal robe, Gave up his position in heaven. Took off his royal diadem. Laid it down. Said bye to his father. Came down through 42 generations. Into a man that was lower than a worm. Or a woman that was lower than a worm, sorry. And he gave up everything where he had angels up there worshiping him on a daily basis, crying his name out 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
all the days of the year worshiping him. When he said something, they barked and went and done what he wanted to do. He had nobody to reject him, nobody to grumble with him, nobody to sit there and go against him. But he left all that because he says in Philippians, I became the servant of God. The word servant is one who gives himself for another's will and disregards their own interest. If you want God to answer your prayers, then you got to learn to be a servant. Amen. Smith Wigglesworth got on a train one day, traveled across the country, and this big gambler come in and sat down right across him in his booth. And they got to ride down the road, and the gambler was sitting there with his cards, and he was shuffling them up. And he looked at Mr. Wigglesworth, and he said, You want to play a hand? He said, I'd love to. He said, But I can't. I didn't bring my hands with me. <laughs> Man said, What are you talking about? You got hands right there. They are right there. He said, These ain't my hands. I didn't bring my hands with me. Now, if I'd have brought my hands with me, yeah, I'd have played a hand with you. But because these ain't my hands, I can't play that. I'm sorry. I'll sit here and I'll talk to you all day long, but I ain't playing no cards. Because I ain't got my hands with me. I left them many, many years ago. In other words, I am the servant of the Lord. As you have taken your vessels and your members and submitted them to unrighteousness, you in turn submit them to righteousness. How many of you, when you're out partying for the devil, you were loud? Were you loud when you partied with the devil? When you got a little high on the dance floor, did you just say, Betty, when you was out there just having a good time for the devil and everything, when that music went on, was you just, yeah. woo! Yeah, now we got to do that for Jesus. The reason why your prayers are not being answered is because there is some iniquity and some sin in your life somewhere. Iniquity is when you have deliberately made up your mind that you're not going to do the acceptable thing. And sin is when you allow what you have decided to be manifested in your members. And you constantly do it all the time. The Bible says, Jesus said it is against the law. If a man looks at a woman and lusts after her, he's already committed adultery. And James went on to say this. He said that lust appears, and when lust conceives, that's when it becomes sin. So there can be iniquity in your life and not sin. The thought can be there, but that iniquity has not conceived yet. That's why you hear uh, Sister Janice here all the time telling you, we got to get rid of all them thoughts. Got to cast all them thoughts aside because if we give that thought a position, a place, it's going to conceive. And when it conceives, it brings forth sin. So iniquity can be dealt with. 
But once it becomes a habitual sin, where you're doing it over and over, it's a stronghold. It's a stronghold that it will take the anointing of the spirit of power of Elijah and a prayer life to break it loose. We got some ladies in this church that knows how to pray. I want to tell y'all something. I need to say this and I'm a hush. When this church started, I said, Lord, I want you to move on a few people's life because of my job, the way I am. I just want you to move on a few people's life that can to pray for our ministry. If nothing else, they don't give any money, just pray for our ministry. And almost from day one of starting this ministry, especially in the last two or three years, we've had people at this church come together, sacrifice a whole day on Thursday, and come and pray to God for this church and for the kingdom of God and vice versa, a lot of other things. When did you have your surgery, Jan? In September, that prayer on Thursday ceased. I want you to think back to September. What has happened in this church, Thelma, since September? Your pastor's had COVID twice. Your pastor's wife had to miss church. She's still barking and coughing and hooking. People has been in and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. People's had this surgery. People about to lose what they got. Mm-hmm. The attendance in the church has almost died out, especially on Wednesday night. Some of y'all I don't even see. And nine thirty Sunday morning, God help us all. Mm-hmm. It's been a rough six months, has it not? Amen. Yes. How many of you six months ago things seemed to have been going on a little bit better? Yeah. But the prayer seemed to stop. I'm not throwing stones. I, I have to work too. Betty got a job. She started going to work, making her a little bit of money so she can buy the pastor a, a dinner every night again. <laughs> but just because Betty went and got a job, it didn't stop the prayer life. It continued. It went on. Just because the pastor couldn't be here, it continued and it went on. And just because now Tina works on Thursday, don't mean it stops. It continues. It goes on. So what the devil decided to do, because he couldn't stop the prayer warriors when Betty separated, when Thelma couldn't be here, what he decided to do is he was going to take someone who has grown children that really don't know how to take care of her and make her sick. Or she had to have somebody to stand there and help her. And thank God we were able to do it. Darlene, Tina, boy, they really done a good job taking care of Janice. Aunt Linda came, cleaned the house. Everybody done quite a bit of things like that. But all the time that was going on, the prayer life was not going like it used to. And because of that now, things have got a whole lot worse. Can you all see how powerful prayer actually is? Linda's back and forth into the hospital. Relationships are having problems. Marriages are having problems. Financial difficulty with everyone. I've got people every time I see them, they want money, they want money. I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. It's getting rough. All hell seems to be breaking loose. 
But God said that we are to have confidence in God, and if we have confidence in God, that we have the ability to go before him and have a clean channel between him and heaven and us, and we can ask whatever we want, it shall be done. So I've talked an hour and a half tonight. The number one thing that God is wanting to change in Living Water Worship Center this year is our prayer life. Chris, God has woke me up, especially the last eight or nine nights while Tina's been over there sleeping, ready to go to work, getting up at 3 o'clock. And probably from 12 to 2, I've been praying in the bed, just sitting there. I know Tina's thought, well, we leave the television on at the house because it's just as cheap to leave a television on to have a nightlight. So we leave the TV on so when we get up, we don't break our neck. I know she's kind of thought to herself, why am I waking up and the television's turned all the way down to zero? It's because Kip's been praying right lately. And God's beginning to show me the iniquities, the mindsets, the attitudes that we have in this church that is producing the sins that is closing up God's ears. I don't know about you, if God was to show up in this church, I would he'd rather have him walk down the center aisle of this church like I'm walking right now looking at y'all and y'all can hear him talk instead of him walking through this church like this. Wouldn't y'all? So the next question as I close, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What are y'all going to do about it? What are y'all going to do about it? What are y'all going to do about it? <laughs> oh, now I'm fixing to get you. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I said, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go buy you a prayer journal and start writing your prayers down on a daily basis. I want you to do that so you can look back and see what God does in your life. How many has done that? What does that mean? And Janet says she's done that. Of course, she probably done it before. Church, prayer is your communication line with heaven. It is your supply line from heaven. It is where you get all the spiritual blessings that you're going to ever need in this life. Without praying to the Lord on a daily basis, your channel is going to get so blocked up that you'll never get anything done because God will not hear your prayer. Did anybody even recognize that fact when we started tonight that God will close his ears to your prayer and not even hear it although you're his child? How many of you now feel in your life, hey, there's been a time in my life right recently that God shut his ears to my prayer? Then the first thing you need to do is ask God for forgiveness. I'm going to hush. Anybody got anything they need to add? I'm sure you can add something Well, let's see what Jesus said about it. Let's see what Jesus said about it. It's real easy to pray. 
When I go before the Lord, when the first thing that I, when he taught me how to pray, I started praying the Lord's Prayer. That's the model prayer. And he started out, he said, Our Father. And I thought about that a minute. I said, wait a minute now. My daddy and I were not real close until he was about dead. Daddy worked all the time. When he come in, he didn't stay in the house. He was out in the field. So we didn't have, and, and dad didn't talk to us. So I didn't know what it was like to have a father. I don't understand what it was like to have a father's relationship. So when I went before the Lord, Betty, I said, okay, Lord, I know now that you're saying I'm to pray corporately as the father, to the father. But Lord, I don't understand a father's relationship. And I'm sure that I don't understand it. There's countless millions of others that don't understand it. So Lord, I'm going to ask you later on that you're going to teach me how to honor my father's relationship. Then it goes on to say, Our Father which art in heaven. And I began to change my focus from looking at the things on the earth that I began to pray in the spiritual realm. And I began to realize, imagining that my words that I was saying was transferred mm -hmm. to heaven and they were up in the heavenly realm in the room that God has got his throne in and it was cascading into God's room and I was praying into heaven. He said, Our Father which art in heaven... And then the word says, hallowed be thy name, which means holy is thy name. In other words, I'm his child, and I need to honor his name. I need to bring holiness to his name. First thing I said is, Lord, I have no earthly concept of what holiness is. I don't know what, how it is to truly honor a father or honor a mother. I didn't have a relationship with my father like that, so you're going to have to teach me how to honor that. So he said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I don't know nothing about a kingdom. Didn't know a thing about a kingdom. I'm raised up in a uh, republic. It ain't a kingdom. A kingdom is when, I've learned later, is when a king decrees something. It don't matter if you like it or not, it's done. And not only is the kingdom to be done and his will to be done here on this earth is to be done in earth. What are you? What are you made of? In you. Then after you go that and you praise him, then you begin to ask him for what you need. God, give me what I need today. Let's focus on today. Lord, I need healing today. Lord, I need deliverance today. Lord, I need peace in my mind today. Lord, I need you to touch my body today. I don't feel good today. My eyes ain't looking good today. My arm hurts today. Uh, my people out there in the world are sick today. Lord, they need their daily bread. Give them their daily bread. I mean, you can pray forever on that stuff. Then he says, forgive us our trespasses. So taking that one, if you state at the beginning of the prayer changing it and bringing it in there after you have prayed to him, honored his name, worshipped him, prayed for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, and ask him for the gifts and the benefits. That's when you're saying, okay, Lord, now here's my needs and my, my requests. I'm handing them to you, and if there be anything after I've made my request known to you that will keep this from coming to pass, reveal it to me right now so that I can confess it and that I can get forgiveness for it. You got that? 
And then you turn around and say, okay, Lord, now there are other people out there that need the same thing. Lord, forgive Tim of all of his sins. Anybody ever pray for the Lord to forgive me of all my sins? Please do that. I need it. Fall down on your knees in the middle of your dining room just one day just walking through and say, Lord, just forgive Kenny Nance all of his sins. I'm telling you, when you start praying for other people like that, God will do something on the inside of you and you'll love them more than you've ever loved them before in your life. <laughs> Forgive us our sins. And then, say, okay now, Lord. As we forgive others, you're going to forgive us. So, Lord, teach Thelma how to forgive so-and-so. Lord, teach Betty to come into the church and hear Kip Nance tear her from the top of her head to sew her feet and forgive him before she ever leaves out of the church. Teach her how to do that. I'm making it comical, but I want to understand. Deliver us from the evil one. Oh, Lord, put a, a hedge around my family. Lord, put a hedge around my car. Lord, put angels all around me. Lord, protect my money in the bank. When that robber shows up in the bank, let him take Darlene's money, but don't let him take mine. That's the way we want to pray. But God said, I'm sending them angels to the bank to protect everybody's money. And then lead us not into the temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the power. Everything that you give me here today, Lord, you're going to get the power, the glory, and the kingdom is going to be a benefit of it today. Really easy to pray. And you'll be hit on right every time. That channel will be open. And when it's open, Ned will walk in here with a big smile on her face because you pray for her to have some joy. Amen. John won't walk in here like a sour puss and the cat scratched him off from the top of his head to sew his feet. <laughs> Somebody in the house will lift up their voice and start praising the Lord because you prayed for them to have some joy and some peace. When we get a church together that can pray the way we need to pray and plead the covenant of God, God, the covenant don't just bless Thelma, it blesses everybody around Thelma. So I pray that Tim has so much money that he'll have to come in and give every one of y'all a $10,000 check. And I pray he'll be willing to write the ten thousand dollar check and give it to everyone. Now, now we're laughing, and I don't know if you're taking that serious, but it's serious. It's the truth. When it happens, darling. Now I'm gonna tell you: if you knew that Thelma was praying for you like that when you needed prayer, who are you gonna go talk to to pray? Tell me, I know you can move the hand to God because you pray for that $1,000 and I got it. Now I need you to pray again. <laughs> and if anybody was to say anything against Thelma, what would you do if Thelma was doing that and bringing results in your life? What would you do? Oh, wait a minute. Shut up about Thelma now. Yeah. Thelma's my, my girl. She's my girl now. 
she took care of me when nobody else said, and I don't care what you say about her, that's not her character, and I ain't going to believe it, no matter how much you repeat her, how much you got, and let me tell you something, if you keep on going out there and you repeat that there, you're going to have to answer to be bop and bob. <laughs> This has been a wonderful spirit in the house of the Lord today. I think we do need corporate prayer, though. We do. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're the whole church prays together. And, and we're going to be doing some of that. We're definitely going to be doing that shortly. Yeah. I want to get everybody's heart open and the channel open so that net needs a miracle, we can pray that miracle down. Amen. That nobody has anything that's holding it back. Amen. That we don't have an attitude that would hold it back. Stinking thinking. God will bless us all. Somebody else, I'm going to hurry. I got to go. I know some people got to go to work early in the morning. I think I got everybody in the house smiling for the first time tonight. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight that you have ministered to us this day, Lord God, for approximately five hours. You have spoke to us through the hearts and the souls and the minds of your people. God, you have ministered to the deeper depths of our individual life. You have done it showing and revealing to each and every one of us your love, your willingness to bless us, your willingness to revive us, your willingness to grow us into you. God, tonight, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for what you're going to continue to do. I thank you, Lord, that every heart this night will go before you and confess their iniquity to you and confess their sin to you. And, Father, clean themselves of it so that their channel can be opened up to receive thy miracles from heaven. Father, let the window of heaven be opened up in every person's life that's under the sound of my voice. Let angels ascend and descend bringing down the goods and the supplies that heaven needs to have in our life. Lord, help us to always send faith in utter 100% confidence that we know the God we're praying to and that what we pray, we expect it to be received. God, today, Lord God, you are a God that can do it all, that's already done it all. And Lord, teach us to know you've already done it all and that we can walk forward knowing that you are going to answer everything we ask for, everything we need. God, this is going to be an assembly that is blessed well beyond measure, and we're going to have it overflowing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, we're going to change our family, we're going to change our church, and we're going to change our town through thy anointing and thy power. Go with us, lead God, and direct us. Bring us back in love and in unity once again, Lord. Lord God, to be joyful, happy, and destroy what hell has tried to do in our life because, Lord, you have a covenant with us and you are hiding us from the enemy. And I'll give you the glory and the praise for it all in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. amen. And